0: Hi everyone, uh, good to be with you. Let's pray before we look at God's word. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious Father, we do pray that this day, uh, that despite the slight weirdness of uh, doing church but not being physically present with one another, uh, we thank you that uh, that this is a work of your Spirit and that we're one in spirit still. And so we pray, Father, that through your word uh, proclaimed, uh, that you would really uh, speak to our hearts and minds this day. Uh, particularly, we pray that. Uh, We pray, Father, that you would uh, comfort us at this time and help us to humbly cast our cares upon you, assured that you care for us. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, Well, I was thinking uh, during the week that often uh, a time of crisis like COVID-19 has a way of revealing people's true character. It's like what's been hidden beneath the surface uh, bursts out between the cracks of people's character. Uh, sometimes in wonderful ways, and sometimes in really quite ugly ways. You've seen this, this mix of people's character in our local community. On the one hand, we've seen some really heartwarming examples of humility, of people really setting aside their own interests to focus on the interests and needs of others in our local community. I'm sure you can think of some of those examples. On the other hand, we've seen a whole lot of examples of pride, uh, of people being completely absorbed with their own interests uh, and setting aside the interests of others. Uh, I'm sure you can think of your own examples, some of the ones I was thinking of, of people people uh, going shopping, maybe you've seen this yourself, their trolleys stacked up uh, while other people are left in need. I heard during the week of people organising bus trips, people who live in Melbourne organising bus trips to regional towns so that they could clear out the supermarkets in small regional towns around Melbourne, leaving the locals with nothing. People are perhaps saying, well, what do I care about COVID-19? You know, I'm young, I'm fit, I'm healthy. Even if I get it, it's going to be nothing more than a mild cold. Who cares about these social distancing rules? Are people refusing to cancel or even postpone their upcoming events or their travel plans or their function? Because all they can seem to think about uh, is their bank balance. Why is it that examples of genuine humility are so hard for us to find? I want to suggest that it's because people, uh, human beings can really only be humble when they're conscious of the presence of God. When they're in the presence of God. So when God is largely pushed out of a culture, as he's largely been in our culture, then humility, by and large, is pushed out of a culture. So the cultural narrative uh, is predominantly about pride. It's about self-sufficiency. It's about self-reliance. It's about self-interest. It's about the fact that we can strategize for this. We can solve this ourselves. We can conquer this. It's in that context that I want us to come to these verses from 1 Peter, Are these verses which are all about the need to display humility in the midst of suffering, to display humility when we're under pressure, when we feel anxious, when we feel stressed. So in this passage, we're going to see the reason for humility, the expression of humility and the enemy of humility. So, first out, please have the passage open. Let's look at the reason for humility in the second half of verse 5 and verse 6. Let me read those verses again. Peter says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And we must remember that the Christians Peter's writing to here are really under pressure. Are They, like us perhaps, are experiencing all sorts of anxieties, pain, suffering, stresses in their life. Since they became Christians, they've been publicly insulted and shamed for their faith. They've been dragged before the courts, the secular courts, to defend their faith. They've lost their family, their friends, their jobs, their social status. These are Christians who are experiencing all sorts of pain and suffering, filled with care and anxiety. And in the midst of that suffering, Peter urges them to clothe themselves with humility towards one another. And not to selfishly look to their own interests and their own needs, but to humbly look to one another's needs and the interests of one another. So one way we can clothe ourselves in humility towards one another as a church uh, is to kind of uh, be able to forget about our own concerns and needs for long enough, to pay attention to the needs and concerns of others. Perhaps you could ask yourself, who's someone I could pray for? Who's someone I could send a text message to? Who's someone I could give a phone call to? How can I encourage this person? How can I practically help this person out? That's one way we can clothe ourselves with humility is uh, uh, is by looking to the needs of others. But of course, on the other hand, we can clothe ourselves in humility towards one another by being willing to ask for help. Don't don't proudly think to yourself, I can handle this on my own. It's at times like this that we really need one another, that we need to come together as a church community. So don't be too proud to ask someone to pray for you. Don't be too proud to say, I'm lonely, and can you please give me a call? Can we just have a chat for a bit? Don't be too proud to, to reach out to someone and ask for help. Please get on your WhatsApp group with your gospel community, ask for help. Later in the week, we're hoping to launch another way where you can request help. There are all sorts of ways in which we can clothe ourselves in humility towards one another and not being uh, consumed with our own needs and our own concerns, but looking to the needs and concerns of others. But why is it that we should do that? Well, what's the reason for for displaying this kind of humility, even in a time like this, where the instinct for self-preservation seems so great? What's the reason? Peter tells us by quoting uh, Proverbs 3, verse 34. He says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Right, that's the ultimate reason for uh, displaying this sort of humility. It's, if God opposes the proud and shows grace and favor and mercy to the humble, then Peter says, uh, 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 then what Peter says in verse 6 uh, should be the case. Right? We should humble ourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift us up in due time. Uh, The reference to God's mighty hand there, if you've got a Bible, it actually takes us all the way back to the book of Exodus. You'll have to be a a quick Bible flicker to keep up. Uh, But in Exodus chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, uh, God said this to Moses. He he said, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians uh, with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And then a few chapters later, in Exodus 6, verse 1, God says to Moses again, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand. He will, uh, he, um, because of my mighty hand, uh, he will let them go. But because of my mighty hand, he says again, uh, he will drive them out of his country. And so finally, in Exodus 13, verse 3, Moses said to Israel, I Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out, out of it with a mighty hand. Why is Peter drawing our attention to these references about God's mighty hand in Exodus? Why is he urging us to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand? Well, it's because of something he's already said earlier in his letter to these Christians. Uh, back in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, if you've got a Bible, flick back a couple of pages, uh, because there uh, Peter makes the point that we as the, the church are, are like the fulfillment of Israel. Uh, so Peter quotes there some words that are from Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, words that were originally spoken to the, to the people of Israel. Uh, and he says that you guys as the church are God's special possession. You are God's royal priesthood, God's holy nation. So just as Israel was rescued from Egypt by the power of God's mighty hand, just as they were sustained in the wilderness and brought through the wilderness by the power of God's mighty hand, so also we as the church have been rescued from sin and death by the power of God's mighty hand. And God will bring us through the wilderness of this world by the power of his mighty hand. So when Peter calls us to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, he's really calling us to acknowledge two things. The first is he's calling us to acknowledge that God is God and we are not. God is king and we are not. God is creator and we are but creatures. God is the ultimate deliverer, the rescuer from all things. And we are not that. Which leads to the second thing he's calling us to do, which is to acknowledge that ultimately it's God and God alone who's able to rescue us from the pain and suffering and sickness and brokenness of this world. If this world feels like a wilderness, if it doesn't feel like home, that's because we're looking forward to our ultimate deliverance from this world of pain and suffering. And God's shown that he's able to deliver on that deliverance because he's already delivered Christ from the grave. Conquering sickness and suffering and death once and for all. So as a church, we should humble ourselves under God's mighty hand because we know that in the end, God is the only one, our only hope of being rescued, not just from COVID-19, but from all the pain and suffering of this world. And of course, in our pride, we might struggle to do that. Uh, the the kind of impulse towards self sufficiency and self preservation is strong. Oh, so consider these words uh, from C.S. Lewis about pride. Uh, he says, "In God, you come up against uh, something which is in every respect, or uh, every respect, immeasurably superior to yourself. Uh, unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself to be as nothing in comparison to God." Uh, You do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you you cannot know God. A proud person is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, uh, you can't see something that is above you. We'll only be able to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand uh, if we lift our eyes to see God as he really is. To see God who is holy uh, when we are sinful. To see God who is glorious uh, when we are full of blemishes. To see God who is powerful uh, while we are weak. God is immeasurably superior to us in every way. And so we fall to our knees, at least I hope we do, and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of our mighty God. Uh, with the deep assurance uh, that one day he will lift us up. Uh, But what does it look like to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand? Peter answers that in verse 7. He moves from the reason for humility to the expression of humility. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So the main way that we can express our humility before God is by praying to God. Particularly by casting all our anxieties upon God. It's worth noting that when Israel was in the wilderness, uh, they never humbly cried out to God in prayer. You might remember the stories, sure, that they grumbled and complained against God, that they blamed God for the plight that they were in, uh, but they never cried out to God. In humble prayer. That's a reminder to us uh, that in our proud self-sufficiency, prayer just doesn't come naturally to us. Even in the midst of a a time of crisis where we're really conscious of our weakness, uh, we can tend towards grumbling and complaining rather than uh, coming to God in humble prayer. Uh, So Peter urges us, he urges these Christians uh, to express our humility before God uh, by casting all our anxieties upon him by placing all our burdens upon him. Uh, 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 in a kind of pre-kids era, uh, Gabby and I used to do a whole lot more hiking. Uh, and of course, one of the things about hiking is that you have to carry your own pack Uh, That's absolutely your burden to carry for the whole duration of the hike. Uh, uh, There were a couple of times when I was on hikes where I was so tired, I'd rolled an ankle, I was really struggling, and one of my mates who was on the hike with me said, look, you know, I reckon I can handle carrying your pack as well as mine for the next couple of Ks. It was just such an incredible relief to have the weight of that pack lifted off my shoulders, uh, to have the freedom to to walk, uh, to, to have that freedom to walk freely, and not feel so burdened by that weight. Likewise, Peter's saying that as we hike through the wilderness of this world, on our way to our uh, eternal home with God, uh, we're regularly carrying all sorts of burdens. All right, perhaps you can relate to that right now. right here, In the midst of this uh, COVID-19 crisis, many of us are indeed carrying burdens. We feel weighed down by all sorts of worries, all sorts of concerns and anxieties. There's just so many unknowns. I really have noticed that in myself this week. There have been nights this week, if I'm honest, where I found it much, much harder to sleep than normal. I'm just kind of burdened by all the decisions we've had to make as a church. It's not that I've been carrying all those burdens alone. There's been a wonderful team of people pitching in in various ways. It's been a great thing, but I have still felt the burden of that, if I'm honest. All the decisions. Well, what measures should we put in place? When should we put those measures in place? Should we take our meetings online? When should we put, uh, take them online? How should we take them online? How do we keep caring for one another, uh, for everyone in our church, uh, in this time of social distancing and self-isolation? How do we keep caring for one another uh, spiritually as well as practically? How do we make this time, not a time uh, of spiritual stagnation and wandering, but a time of spiritual growth and fruitfulness for our church? All these things, if I'm honest, they've been worrying me, that they've been burdening me. And if I'm honest, I haven't always done a great job of casting those cares upon my God. And I was thinking about why that might be. And in the end, I think it's because on some level, I need, to, I need to think more about how much God cares for me. And in the end, we only really share our burdens with people who we know really love and care for us. I'm sure that's true in your life. And the things that are burdening you, you tend to share with your dearest friends or your family members. Likewise, you'll only want to share your worries and anxieties with God if you're deeply convinced that he loves and cares for you. That's why Peter assures us of that. Look, he says that we can cast all our anxieties, all our cares upon God. Why? Because he cares for us. You can do this because he cares for you. You can cast your cares on God because he cares for you. This is something we really must understand. God is not indifferent to your anxieties. God's not aloof. He's not apathetic to your anxieties. God wants to care for you in the midst of your anxieties. Now, I wonder if you've got your, your head around that truth. The God of the universe actually cares for you. Perhaps more importantly, I wonder if you've got your heart around that truth. You know it in your head, but in your heart, do you really believe that the God of the universe, your heavenly Father, cares for you? And maybe you're not convinced. There's a kind of little doubt there. I mean, how, how can you really know that God cares for you? Uh, in the end, I reckon you've got two options. Right, you can either look, uh, on the one hand, you can look to the circumstances of your life. H- how's life going? That, that dictates how much God cares for you. And for many of us, if you looked at your life right now, uh, it'd be pretty easy for you to conclude that God's care factor for you is quite low. You know, maybe you're sick currently. Maybe you're worried that you're going to get sick. Maybe, you, maybe someone you love is sick And maybe someone you love uh, is particularly vulnerable to COVID-19 and you're worried uh, that they will get sick. And maybe you're worried about the the loss of income that's going to come and all all the financial pressure that's going to come from that. And maybe you're feeling lonely and and depressed as you feel more and more distant and isolated from people you love. And maybe you're wondering how you're going to survive at home for so long with the kids. And maybe you're lamenting the fact that an upcoming event event or a wedding or a function or a holiday or a concert or or even a funeral uh, has been cancelled because of COVID-19. Whatever it is for you, the point is uh, that when you look at the circumstances of your life, it's not that hard for you to conclude that God doesn't care for you. So why would you talk to him about your care? We've got to look elsewhere to know that God cares for us. Not not to the circumstances of our life, but to what God has done for us. Sure and certain things that he's already done for us. So I'm going to share a few things. For example, uh, you can know that God cares for you because he created you. You're a precious creation of his. Psalm 8 verses 3 and 4. You can write that down. Psalm 8 verses 3 and 4. Uh, the psalmist says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, uh, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? But you might think that in the scheme of the universe, right, that the, the heavens and the earth, uh, with the billions of people on the planet, you might think, uh, who is God? Uh, who am I that God would care for me? But these verses from Psalm 8 assure us that God does care for each and every one of us because God made us. Every single one of us is a precious creation in his image. So God cares for us because he created us. But if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, God cares for you, not just because he created you, but because he chose you. If you flick back in First Peter to the very start, First Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Peter referred to these Christians that he's writing to as those who had been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Part of being a Christian is that you have been chosen by God. Some of you might feel like you have never been chosen by anyone. Even in the midst of this crisis, you feel like there's no one really on the planet who's absolutely committed to caring for you. But if you're a Christian, that's not the case. If you're a Christian, you can have this deep assurance that before the foundation of the world, God knew you, he chose you, and he committed himself to loving and caring for you, and not just today, but forever. That's wonderful news. You can know that God cares for you because he created you, because he chose you, and third, because he redeemed you. A little bit further on in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Peter says that God has redeemed us. God has set us free through the precious blood of his Son. And as Paul says in Romans 8, verse 32, God, who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. But yeah, you see, if you're a Christian, no matter how bad life gets for you, no matter how anxious and stressed you feel, you can have this deep assurance that God cares for you. Because when you look to the cross, you see that God gave His one and only Son for you. His, blood, his Son's blood was shed for you on the cross to redeem you, to set you free from your uh, slavery to sin and death in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of all the uncertainties and anxieties of this situation, that must be your measure of God's care for you. Not the circumstances of your life, but the cross of Christ. That's a rock-solid, objective assurance of God's love and goodness and care for you. So you can know that God cares for you because he created you, because he chose you, because he redeemed you, and fourth, because he adopted you. Once again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Peter speaks there uh, about how, uh, as Christians, we've been born again into the family of God. We've become children of God. So no matter how anxious you are or how much suffering you experience or even if you get sick, uh, you can be completely secure in God's love for you because you are God's child. And he will never disown one of his children. You can know that God cares for you because he created you, because he chose you, because he redeemed you, and because he adopted you. And because you have this deep assurance that God cares for you, you can cast all your anxieties, all your cares upon him. And let me say, God is absolutely delighted when you do that. Or when you admit that, God, I just cannot handle this on my own. I just can't get through this situation on my own. God wants to carry your burdens for you. That's what Peter's saying here. He wants you to to hand over the the weight that's on your shoulders to him. Who has ever heard of such a God as this? Isaiah 64 uh, verse 4 says, No one. No one's ever heard of such a God. Since ancient times, Isaiah says, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen uh, any God besides you. Why? Because he acts on behalf of those who wait for him. We often talk about uh, us serving God us acting on behalf of God, and that's a wonderful thing for us to do. But the, the mind-blowing thing about our God as Christians is not that we're committed to serving him, but that he is absolutely committed to serving us. That's the incredible thing about being a Christian. Even today, this very moment, God is wanting, waiting for you to cast your burdens upon him. He's eager to serve you. He's eager to carry those burdens for you. Just as God in Christ carried the burden of your sin all the way to his death on the cross, God in Christ this day wants to carry all the burdens of your anxieties upon him if only you would cast them upon him this day. So please don't be like the proud person who, who, even in the midst of a time like this, uh, always wants to look inwards and trust in themselves. Uh, They're clinging to their strength, to their wisdom, uh, to their strategies. Uh, Be the humble person, the the person who looks outwards and trusts in God. God. Uh, Because you know that God is the only one who's both willing and able to care for you. And not just to care for you in this moment, in these troubling times of COVID-19, but to care for you in all the different circumstances of your life. Cast your cares upon God, uh, for he cares for you. We've seen that the reason for humility, the expression of humility, uh, and in verses 8 and 9, Peter moves on to speak about uh, what I've called the the great enemy of humility. Have a look there in verse 8. Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This is a bit strange, isn't it? Here, here Peter's talking about humbling ourselves in prayer, and then straight away he goes to talking about the devil. It's kind of like, what are you doing, Peter? I mean, he does that because he knows that the devil hates it when God's people humble themselves in prayer. He hates that. So just as he urges us to, to pray, to, to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, to cast our cares upon God, he also urges us to resist the devil, the, the great enemy of humility. Have a look in verse 8. Again, Peter says that we've got to be alert to this. We have to be switched on. We've got to be sober-minded because the devil's always on the prowl, particularly in times of pressure and suffering, because he wants to cause Christians to doubt God's goodness. He wants to cause Christians to doubt God's promises so that he can devour their faith. So we must be alert to this. We must be alert uh, that spiritually speaking, uh, this time of suffering and pressure and anxiety around COVID-19 uh, is a little bit like the roar of the devil. Uh, the devil's wanting to, to cause us to doubt God, to doubt his promises, his goodness, uh, that in the end uh, we would wander away from our faith. Uh, so in verse 9, Peter urges us to resist him. To resist the devil. And how do we do that? Simply by standing firm in the faith. Uh, along with all our brothers and sisters around the world. All our brothers and sisters in the inner north of Melbourne. All our brothers and sisters connected to DPC and beyond. Our Peter's not calling you to, to perform some kind of a superhero act of defeating the devil yourself. Right, you don't have to kind of get out your cross and your garlic or whatever else you might do that with. right? He's not calling you for that. He knows that Christ already defeated uh, the devil at the cross. For Peter, resisting the devil in a time of pressure and suffering like this simply, simply means standing firm in your faith. It simply means humbly trusting God. It means casting your cares upon God. It means trusting God uh, for the next moment. Not for the next three months, but for the next moment. Humbly Trusting God. I know perhaps some of you have been struggling to do that, right? To, to humbly cast your cares upon God. To surrender to God. To, to pray to God. I no doubt there are all sorts of valid reasons for that. But I do want you to notice in these verses that the moment of humbly trusting God, of humbling yourselves under his mighty hand and casting your cares upon him, that moment is a moment of spiritual warfare. And the devil hates it when we humble ourselves before God. He hates it when you humbly cry out to God. And when you acknowledge your complete dependence upon God, when you cast your cares upon God, he hates all of that. He wants you to be proudly trying to handle things by yourself. So I think it's no surprise if some of us might be struggling to pray. And let me urge you in the midst of this crisis to be alert to this to be sober-minded, to resist the devil, to draw encouragement from the fact that all your brothers and sisters are going through similar things to you. And as we resist the devil, as we're alert to these things, we might be able to all the more be able to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. We'll We'll be able to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of our God and we'll be able to cast our cares upon him before we know deeply and profoundly that He cares for us, now, please pray with me. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious Father, we thank you for this Your Word. I pray that this day, uh, uh, in my weakness, that I've been able to proclaim it uh, faithfully and clearly, uh, and in a way that's been helpful for Your people. I pray, Father, that You would uh, help us uh, to be alert uh, and sober-minded. Uh, to resist uh, any uh, attempt of the devil to drag us away from your people and in particular to drag us away from your son. I pray, Father, that you would help us to clothe ourselves in humility towards one another, uh, being willing to consider the needs of others and being willing to ask for help ourselves. I pray, Father, that you would help us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand, uh, to be okay with admitting our weakness and our lack of ability to cope, and to cast all our cares on you, for we know that you care for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.